0: The Great Canadian Talk Show. There's only a couple of watts, but I brought the truth to everyone within three blocks of the West Side of campus. No way. Yes way. And now let's get right down to business with Marty Gold. Welcome to the Great Canadian Talk Show Podcast. This is episode number 24. Got it wrong, actually. I had to do a second take to open the show today. Episode 24, here in our second season as we march towards coverage of the Manitoba provincial election and providing a unique kind of reporting, unique kind of coverage that is simply not being provided by the mainstream media. They got lots and lots of money and they can't get the stories right. We got no money and we do our best and often beat them, as we did recently with our series of stories uh, about uh, Dr... Uh, is it WFL? I'm going off the off uh, off the top of my head. The initials for Dr. Hamilton School in East St. Paul, and I got a lovely note actually, a complimentary note from one of the parents. Uh, of just a few hours ago before I uh, recorded this section, uh, this segment, and I very much appreciated the parents feel that their voices were heard. They felt that the mainstream media was, um, came into this entire matter with a slant and looking to create friction and enemies where there were none uh and uh as i explained in my special report last week uh that i released last week in lieu of a regular uh edition of the program uh that the the way that this was approached became essentially by the Winnipeg Free Press a smear on mothers day supporters and it was a lesson in woke journalism and if you go to that podcast you'll hear how uh, basically un- unknowingly uh a young reporter employed solely because of funding provided by the federal government to keep the newspaper afloat and in the so-called cause of advancing democracy, instead found ways of vilifying and marginalizing the opinions of parents in East St. Paul by using a professor, university professor, who uh, has a vastly different cultural background than the parents in East St. Paul and who has likely never set foot in that jurisdiction whatsoever, but because the way the media works... They throw around the term far-right to describe reporters that get the story accurately. Uh, Can't find any actual parents to talk to, so the so-called far-right opinion is the only one that is attached to the dispute between the parents and the principal in that case. And then that's transmitted across the country with the help of a a, uh, professor, university professor, whose political orientation is not described uh, whatsoever, but when a queer poet, who's an expert in cultural race feminism... Has an opinion about parents in places, suburbs like East St. Paul, stable communities, you can be sure that it's not going to be too complimentary, and it wasn't. So, whereas the whole country here is through the uh, veils of Canadian press picking up a free press story because, oh my God, somebody paid by Trudeau's written an article, we better run it. Next thing you know, parents across the country are smeared. Uh, myself, to some extent, the free press retracted the comment about me, and so I assure you, this is not Winnipeg's only far right <laughs> news podcast. This is pretty darn centrist and getting more centrist by the day as more people who formerly were, uh, you know, in the, in the middle camp uh, of, liber- of liberalism and of the NDP find themselves continually hectored and lectured for not wanting to follow the, uh, the lemmings in their march to, towards uh, absolute uh, excessive Marxism. Anyways. I want to thank those parents. I'm going to continue to be on top of parent issues. I still have one more report yet to come about the specifics of the anti-Semitic conduct uh, engaged in by University of Winnipeg collegiate basketball players uh, inside the Jewish high school that uh, both sides went uh, clammed right up, didn't want to talk about. Uh, I think I have enough information to give um, another report with more details, again, that the media... Remember, the free press couldn't bring, bring itself to use the word Mother's Day to describe the situation in East St. Paul, what the dispute was about. They couldn't find their, their, it in themselves. Their expert crack Trudeau funded reporter couldn't find it within herself to actually use the word anti-Semitism in describing the behavior of University of Winnipeg collegiate players towards Jewish players and towards the Jewish high school. The words they don't want to use, it's amazing, isn't it? I have no fear, and I back it up with well-researched facts, interviews, sources, etc. So you're in the right place. And if you want to support this kind of work, it's in the episode description. Uh, My email address, martygoldlive at gmail.com, and that's for uh, sponsorships, advertising, live appearances. Uh, You want to book an entertainment event? that uh, I can host all sorts, of, all sorts of things up our sleeve. So we try to make sure that we have the funding available to bring this important service forward. And it's more important than ever. Uh, between the coverage in East St. Paul, the coverage in Brandon of the school matter there, where at least one newsroom had an accurate headline and didn't use the term "ban books. Uh, so, you know, it's very careful. The media has to be very careful to, to ensure that the point that's being debated or discussed is reflected accurately. And uh, and to be cautious not to not to overemphasize where the divisions between the community might be, might rest, and what they're actually arguing about. For instance, having, having nothing to do with uh, parents or parenting. Uh, I, I, again, the, the headlines that we ran, East St. Paul parents stop school from cancelling Mother's Day, 100% accurate. School has new answers for uncancelling Mother's Day, 100% accurate. Smear on Mother's Day supporters, a lesson in old journalism, 100% accurate. One of the things that uh, we specialize in, covering education and schooling, a bit of a newer thing here, Uh, but uh, our focus is largely Winnipeg City Hall and uh, the... Uh, Manitoba legislature, especially the upcoming provincial election. When we were on Kick FM, in particular, I did and 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 an in our first version of the podcast, which ran from 2011 to about 2013, we actually did a surprising number of stories about mining, the mining industry in Manitoba. One of the reasons was um, I was related to somebody whose family had emigrated here from uh, the Maritimes many decades previous. Uh, part of the a influx of people from New Brunswick and Nova Scotia to work in the mines in northern Manitoba. And so for that family, I learned quite a bit about what their history was, how tough it was to carve out a living, literally, in communities north of, uh, north of Thompson and in Thompson. I lived in Thompson for about a year in the early stages of my marriage. So I've always paid attention to the mining industry, the mining business. Marianne Mahajchuk was a f- uh, former... Uh, she's director of the mining organization here in Manitoba. Former federal and provincial cabinet minister, and she was a a, a guest on a couple of occasions, as I recall, on our program. Uh, and uh, lo and behold, mining of all things, outside of Winnipeg, is nothing. Nothing really gets mined in Winnipeg, but mining outside of Winnipeg became a key topic for Wab Canoe, the NDP opposition leader, hoping to become your next premier, when he addressed the Winnipeg Chamber of Commerce. Uh, I think this was the last Tuesday. Um, he talked about the usual kinds of topics, promoting immigration, expanding childcare, the usual NDP things, but people don't really identify the new Democratic Party with being in favor of uh, mining operations, of extracting natural resources. Can you, saying that with him, that wasn't the case, we could produce those resources with higher labor standards, higher environmental standards, and greater respect for human rights compared to any other jurisdiction in the world. Referencing lithium, cobalt, silica, nickel, and so on. The NDP, here's the quote from, the, uh, from this media story. I believe this was a free press effort. The NDP, which represents all four northern Manitoba seats in the legislature, is in favor of mining. Canoe referencing that these are important jobs that are the backbone of those communities. We'd like to see more opportunities like that here in Manitoba. Uh, The story then hopscotches to a reference to the federal government, uh, in particular subsidizing electric vehicle batteries, a loser if there ever was one. The finance minister, Cliff Cullen, he is outgoing from the government, and so he can pretty much be the attack dog and take any shots that he wants. He pointed out that Wab Canoe in the past has opposed mining. Because he signed the Leap Manifesto, a statement as the the media describes it, a statement by environmental, labor, indigenous, and other groups roughly a decade ago, left out the word radical. Among other things, the manifesto calls for no new infrastructure projects. That's uh, the term, keep it in the ground. That's where that comes from. Aimed at increasing extraction. of non-renewable resources. Cullen's saying he is the man that signed the Leap Manifesto, which said keep it in the ground, so it sounds like he's having an about-face. The government, of course, uh, provincial uh, conservatives, also accused the NDP of planning to raise a sales tax to pay for their many promises. Canoe continues to deny that. This story noting that in the last election, uh, Canoe campaigned to raise income taxes on people who make more than $250,000 a year, and he won't uh, won't specify if that pl- is going to be part of the 2023 platform. Now the Black Rod blog <clears throat> watching carefully the media coverage of uh of the provincial legislature and the disputes therein uh put out a release a, a column a few days ago uh that that stated that the you know there's been a weather change. Something's changing in the weather. They, they can feel it, but don't know what it is. Hey, uh, your knees ache, the temperature drops, the wind picks up. You know something's happening. There's been a change in the political weather in Manitoba. <clears throat> and this is based on uh, a belief that the Winnipeg Free Press, which is the NDP's biggest allies, have pumped out individually and collectively a bunch of columns critical of the government that are so flimsy. It indicates that the writers are grasping at straws. For instance, uh, the designated uh, outrage columnist Sinclair, not Gordo, uh and Nigi uh, Nigiwi is I believe how his full name has been written here. He went full Tasmanian devil on Wainawasco because Wayne Wasco dared to compare Wab Canoe's antics in the legislature as being an inferior acting job to Adam Beach. And uh, I, 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 as I think I mentioned in an earlier podcast, if I was trying to be funny in the realm of politics, and somebody said, "Well, he's no Don Rickles," well, that isn't a racist remark. Just because I'm compared to Don Rickles or another Jewish comic, it's an observation. He's no Adam Beach. How dare he compare one indigenous man to another? Is how the free uh, is how the free press article was dis- described. It was also described by the Black Rod as a jump the shark moment. <clears throat> Dan Let. Had written a column complaining about how the government released a, a, made a new, put out a news release on a Friday afternoon. So the newspapers complaining about a joke and a timing of a news release, uh, which you can complain about, but they aren't exactly earth shattering. And then mentions Tom Broadbeck's disbelief. About the hiring numbers, the new healthcare hires uh, proclaimed by the government and Health Minister Audrey Gordon. And there's lots of criticism you can launch on Audrey Gordon, certainly. Broadbeck insisting that the Stephenson government is fudging healthcare staff new hire numbers. The headline over the first two columns Desperate Times Call for Questionable Health System Numbers, Limping Stephenson Government. Heralds significant progress in hiring refuses to prove it. And here's something, again, opinion columnist, so Tom can write this, when governments are facing almost certain defeat at the polls. So you see the 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 uh, typists at the Winnipeg Free Press, they continue on this theme that this government's going down. Now, it's cut the lead of the NDP by half in the last two polling rounds, uh, and the belief is that it may have been cut in half yet again uh, as we approach the summer months. But uh, Broadbeck and the other columnists, they continue to promote this. And now he cited data from the Mantle Association of Healthcare Professionals that said from November 22 until March 2023, there were 100 allied health workers hired and 151 terminations for a net loss of 51. Um, the numbers, however, on the NDP MLA's Facebook pages from the healthcare professionals is different. What? On those Facebook pages, the numbers claimed is that there's 82 allied health care hires and 151 health staff losses for a net loss of 69. Hmm. What's going on here? How many health care jobs have been lost that the conservative government is trying to backfill it? Broadbeck calling all answers that are received gibberish, but it doesn't look like that the numbers... Quite add up. Did the association, the NDP, overclaim the net loss by twenty six percent? Hmm. Well, the way it's working is the government's implementing a uh, plan to end mandated overtime by adding two thousand healthcare professionals with an investment of two hundred million to train, retrain, and recruit healthcare pro- staff across the province. So. The columnists are saying this is all, you know, keep your eyes on the ball kind of stuff uh, and uh, and portraying it as the government is fighting for its very survival, making any kind of announcement they can. And then, of course, Dan Lett complains about tax cuts uh, and also claims that the um, that the hydro rate increase is being used to shrink the size of the deficit and obscure the impact of the tax cuts Dan let getting that, according to Blackrod thoroughly wrong since the government has cut the provincial debt guarantee and water rental fee paid by 50% as of last April and this would allow hydro, by having more cash reserves so to speak, to not have to raise rates as high, uh, the average increase will be less than $3 a month according to one release. So, this was a tax cut? Uh, went on uh, went on to claim that Heather Stevenson's not a worthy role model because she wouldn't condemn the, the issues in Brandon and let the school board actually be a school board and make its own decisions about reviewing books. Amazingly, the free press never actually runs pictures of these books that are, are in dispute, illustrations from them, but just paint anybody who's con- at all concerned as though they're some sort of extremist. That's uh, pretty easy. Uh, another thing that that uh, has happened in the pages of the free press, they've given some coverage to claims of the opposition, that when it comes to all, uh, things involving the alphabet sexuality crowd, uh, books in Brandon, pride marches in Winnipeg, the parties are now getting in an argument over who loves people with alternate sexualities more. Uh, however, Abi Khan, the sport, culture, and heritage minister, made sure to bring up Wab canoes old career as a... As a uh, moderately successful rapper and citing the various anti-gay and anti-other-people anti anti-other people lyrics from that previous career, Canoe having apologized a number of times anytime an election rolls around, he's got to uh, put out another apology. Rochelle Squires told the House he launched his career on misogynist and homophobic attacks. Well, that was the style of music in Vogue at the time. Uh Dougal Lamont, trying to find a third path in all this, says it doesn't matter what Canute did in the past. What matters is what's happening in school divisions, not what the leader of the opposition said. Uh, And uh, then this, again, devolved into a discussion about who's marching in which pride march and whether they're going to be allowed to speak and all these other things that don't have any great impact whatsoever. Uh, In reality, that's all a bunch of noise and looking for media attention, but isn't really a bread and butter issue for any significant number of Manitobans. And in any event, when a politician agrees to take part in a march, um, they're taking the risk that they're going to be showcased, upstage, surrounded by people in provocative dress. It's a minefield. See how I did that? It's a minefield. And there should be more discussion in... in, uh, Winnipeg media about mining and other things that bring about economic growth, prosperity, and things that also help stabilize communities by providing jobs instead of unemployment, and a little less time on things that are a little less important. Uh, in in regards to who attends what rally at what time and talks or doesn't talk, etc. I'm not going to wade deeply into the in, into the field of that uh, this week. Uh, not really a. a great interest in <clears throat> in doing so yet yeah, because there's going to be more hitting the fan with regards to the subject of books suitable books how librarians choose books and other things that i'll get into in the in the uh, in future episodes also uh we're going to swing straight to in the second part of this program shortened version a crime court and public safety update there will be more about cycling cyclists what they tell the media what the media does not doesn't report about the cycling, about the, the bike lane scam, still nothing heard from the St. Boniface biz, still nothing heard, as I understand it, by their members. Uh, certainly no communication with the residents in the St. Boniface uh, Hospital neighborhood with regards to the bike lane plan and redirecting traffic. Uh, I've been a, a little curtailed in the available time I've had the last couple of weeks. I'll be diving back into that w- that one shortly, and so I ex- exhort all you folks in St. Boniface, all you businesses and residents, stay with the program. I'm going to be able to get around to it. Uh, in a short while, we will have greater capacity for more stories more often on more days of the week. It's just a matter of time, with your support, we'll be able to get those costs uh, paid for, get those improvements paid for, uh, and uh, things are ramping up. You see that I've established a series of specialties here, just in the with the limited resources we've had in matters of provincial politics, matters of civic politics, matters of neighborhood politics. That work is gonna continue with your support. Back with the Crime Courts, public safety update right after this. Do you have a comment, story tip, or want to advertise or support the Great Canadian Talk Show podcast? Email TGCTS1 at gmail.com. Join the Facebook group or follow us on Twitter at TGCTS. You have the power. Marty Gold back with the crime courts, public safety update. This is something that we pioneered and specialized in particular, uh, on radio. And, uh, and, uh, you know, something else I mentioned that actually people like the idea of, so I'm going to mention it again. Uh, unpublished letters to the editor when CBC or the Free Press or CJOB, they, they aren't interested in your comment and providing balance to their news coverage, etc. Well, guess what? Send it along to us, martygoldlive at gmail.com. I'm going to create a whole new, whole new segment for, to find out what kinds of views are being squelched, what kind of views are being um, restricted. I can't quite go as far as blackball, though I think there's some particular kinds of views that never that are uttered by reasonable people in the community that are never, um, <clears throat> heard, <laughs> is that the way to put it, on Winnipeg, uh, on Winnipeg airwaves, never heard, but you'll be able to hear them here, and, uh, I'll be the one that'll read them out for you, um, so, a couple of things that came up in the civic election from our coverage in the civic election i just want to touch on briefly that have been in the news lately uh the move towards uh abol- abolishing derelict housing towards tearing things down so that there's uh isn't a you know a a, a place a sheltered place where gangs can can uh, uh, victimize people and deal drugs. In particular, Mayor Gillingham and a couple other councillors, Rollins, I believe it was, and Gilray were on Furby just north of Ellis Avenue at a, a gigantic apartment block that has fallen derelict. And, and this is a, one of those old uh, redstone constructs. And uh, the mayor was asked about repurposing it for housing. Now, one resident in the neighborhood, a guy on Sherbrooke, said, well, I'd like to see it used as a park because that would give back the community. Well, no, it won't uh somebody needs to take uh people like that who uh live in in la la land and take them over to the park that's that that Don Woodstock when he was a mayoral candidate tripped across so to speak uh, in the back lane of of a it's a back lane that's also a street mcmicken also north of ellis i believe this was uh, between ellis and Sargent, where that park was a filthy mess unmaintained garbage everywhere and needles everywhere so People say, "Oh, we could use a park." Well, that's just going to is just going to give them something new to complain about. Um, but again, that was a story that uh, an issue about housing that was uh, significant during the civic election and was raised by a number of candidates, in particular Jenny Mott, collect with regards to uh, derelict housing and the need to uh, tear it down. And so now the city is uh, moving towards providing. Uh, uh, demolition permits without requiring a building permit be attached uh god knows that the heritage winnipeg crowd uh, that has evidently never owned a significant building in their life that they'll be screeching about that one but good move by mayor gillingham and council to address that Um, another subject that was raised during the civic election by another mayoral candidate in this case kevin klein now in the manitoba cabinet dwelled dwelt is that the word I, i need to use dwelled dwelt on ambulance shortages and Klein in his campaign pointed out that Winnipeg had had the same number of ambulances I think he said since I think he said since 1989 it was like 30 years where we had been stuck with the same number of ambulances no longer provincial government coming up with an agreement with the Manitoba with uh, the city of Winnipeg providing 54 million dollars in funding this year uh for an to kick off an agreement that will last until the end of 2027 uh, and uh, the province has a cooperative relationship now with the city about ambulance service after not having had a contract for years and years two additional ambulances will be added to city street Staff 24-7 I believe the the hiring is for 20 more I think I heard it was going to be 20 more paramedics and those two ambulances will be st- uh, staffed full-time. That is good news. Not enough, in my opinion. Uh, I know the union uh, union figures were critical of this, the f- belief that Winnipeg can't afford to lose a single paramedic. Manitoba can't afford to lose one. So even if someone wants to leave um, another jurisdiction, I'm just going to pick a place off the top of my head, let's say Toulon or Ashern or something, and they get a job offer from uh, Saskatchewan or British Columbia, that the, the idea is that, no, we've got to keep all of them in, in Manitoba. Maybe you'll be lucky, you know, get them to, get them to agree to go to Winnipeg and you'll find something from Winnipeg that can transfer out to a rural setting. Uh, this is a big deal because without efficient ambulances and ambulance services, uh, you end up with folks that, uh, suffer life-altering conditions, to say the least. This goes back to the argument about the bike lanes that are proposed for Marion and Goulet and the fact that to this moment, I still have never heard from the WHA about any anticipated delays to ambulance service going to and from the hospital and what the human cost might be. So, see, it's always important, all the time. Uh, In the realm of public safety, a couple of notes... It appears, according to a map that has been provided by a listener, that there have been, it looks like, eight murders in Winnipeg, up and down the Main Street Strip, from basically from, I'd say from Selkirk East, Pritchard maybe, Selkirk on the right side as you're going north through the underpass, uh, with about three, I think it's four murders on one side of the street and four on the other at this stage, and uh, basically between Sutherland and and the tip of North Point Douglas eight murders seem to have been recorded in that area and that is a shocking number I think the number this year don't quote me I think it's 12 I think we've had 12 murders this year Uh, uh, I haven't checked lately but the congregation so to speak of these murders in North Point Douglas on the main street strip is a matter of significant concern. And I don't think we've heard a single word. I might be wrong, but I remember hearing anything significant come from the area counselor in that regard, Vivian Santos, who apparently has learned from the longtime MLA in that area in the past, George Hicks, who never had one thing to say in the legislature about the decaying social and safety conditions in the Point Douglas riding when he represented it as speaker for the NDP. Uh, This tradition of people in the North End, politicians in the North End, keeping their mouths shut instead of speaking up loudly for their constituents is kind of old, it's kind of an, you know, uh, old hat at this stage. And I think it's got to be rectified. I think that the political representatives in the North End have to be more vocal and uh, more Uh, there has to be more evidence that they're standing up for the people, for the victims, for the families that are being mugged, macheted, and murdered in their part of town. Um, Stabbing on a city bus, because it wouldn't be a city bus if there wasn't a stabbing going on. Either two or three people, the news reports not having clarity, on May 19th. What a lovely way to spend a Friday afternoon getting stabbed at Sergeant and Balmoral. Not sure how the, how, I don't know that I've seen any story of how this amplified, or if this was a random stabbing or a, Hey, you owe me drug money stabbing or something else. Not quite sure, uh, what department this one emanated from, uh, one other incident to wrap off this, uh, wrap up this shortened version, uh, of the, uh, crime courts, public safety update, um, this episode of the podcast, a little shorter, but I'm hoping to get, uh, again, a special report out over the weekend. It's all over Facebook. I don't know that, as of today, I've seen it anywhere in the media. A mother on Facebook describing what she called an incredibly frightening and traumatic incident near the St. Vital Mall right at a busy intersection. So it sounds to me that she may not have been on the mall itself, but at one of these smaller strip malls near a corner. It's like, so let's say Meadowood and St. Mary's. She doesn't give the exact location. I haven't gone back to the thread to check if it was provided. I'm sharing what happened to me. This was on Monday afternoon. Not only to process what happened, to raise awareness on emphasizing the importance of being hyper vigilant, even in safe, busy areas. Very articulate uh, mother. In today's digital age, we come across stories online about people going missing, being assaulted, or threatened in public spaces. We might believe it won't happen to us or that we have some sort of invincibility, but yes, they shattered those illusions for me. I had just finished my shopping and was headed back to the car when I observed two people that appeared homeless and intoxicated sitting at my vehicle. Something didn't feel right, so I decided to wait inside the store until the individuals who seemed suspicious had moved on. Once they appeared to be leaving and were at a safe distance, I cautiously made my way towards the vehicle, but then it became clear I had fallen into a trap. They had intentionally lured me into a false sense of security, and as soon as one of them noticed me, he sprinted towards me. I tried to get to my door as fast as I could, but once I got it open, he cornered me, trapping me between the car and the open door by sticking his arm in the door jam and leaning into the outside of the door, onto the outside of the door, so he's inside the door, got her trapped against the car, and you can't close the door through through him blocking it. The only reason I managed to momentarily escape was because he turned his attention to retrieve his knife and moved his arm. In that split second, I jumped into the car, locked the doors, and sped away, called 911. If I could take anything away from this, it would be that more than ever, it's critical for all of us to recognize that safety is not guaranteed even in broad daylight and crowded areas, we must be vigilant and take the time to equip ourselves with the knowledge and skills to protect against such situations. She was in fear that something was going to happen. It was going to affect her, going to affect her children, going to affect her family. You don't hear a lot from, well, you, you do hear a lot from the crowd that says that we have to be endlessly tolerant and supportive of, of uh, derelicts, of vagrants, of people that have never intended to be self-sufficient in this society, who prey on others, who lurk in these parking lots. I'd love to find out what the women on council would say about this, especially if it turns out these individuals are apprehended and have been you know, through the revolving door a few times. I don't know if she's reported to the police. I don't know uh, if... I would think that the mall that she was at, which I'm guessing is one of these malls, I said, across from St. Patel Mall, but in the proximity of it, whether they have cameras or, or not, this is the kind of reason why we used to have uh, reasonably effective vagrancy laws enforced, so that people couldn't perch, wait, and watch. This was certainly happening to nurses and staff at the St. Boniface Hospital a couple of years ago in, neighbor, in uh, parking lots all across the neighborhood thankfully, seems to have declined. Why? Because there was a bit of a sweep done by some social service agencies to get some of these loony characters away from the vulnerable public. You may not have heard this mother's story told elsewhere, but you've heard it told here. You'll hear it told in our podcasts, on our Facebook group, and in our upcoming website. I am going to continue to be a voice a different kind of voice, a voice with decades of experience, a voice with institutional knowledge, a voice who understands things like parenting, the transportation sector, the role of religious communities in our society. I know how to cover provincial politics. I know how to cover city politics. And I know how to cover neighborhoods. It's with your support I'm able to carry on this work. There's no great... Again, contrary to what the free press tried to claim, there's no company behind this, there's no network of podcasts behind this, this is little old me trying to eke out a living by doing what I do best and what the community needs most, proper coverage to push back on mainstream media narratives, proper coverage to hold politicians to account, Proper coverage to make sure that the neighborhood's needs are put front and center in front of the eyeballs of MLAs and in front of MPs and in front of city councilors so they cannot deny the obvious. I have more passion for this kind of job, for this kind of work. It is a calling. It turned into my calling. Unfortunately, I guess, in some respects. Because you don't get rich this way. But I have more passion, more knowledge. More knowledge more dedication than any other so-called reporter in the city of Winnipeg. Definitely more experience dealing with stories that happen at school level and the street level. I don't spend a lot of my time rolling with the academics, the university crowd, and hanging around the hallowed halls of ivory towerism. I'm like a lot of the rest of you. My family was poor. We did without. My father died when I was 18. There was no university free ride for me. There was no trip to Israel for me. Unlike many of my peers. I know what it's like to scrape. I know what it's like to suffer. I know what it's like to fight. And I am here for all of you. I'm asking again for you to consider helping provide the kind of resources and financial base that this work needs as it's going to grow into this next website iteration and you folks are going to love it. It's going to be the best thing that's been seen in the course of Winnipeg media this century. Things changed in 1999 I think. I think it was 99 that changed. I'm going to do something to make it better, to make it different, to make it more viable to make it more relatable, to make it a force to be reckoned with, even more so than the Great Canadian Talk Show is already. And so you can support us. Contact me personally. Absolutely. Uh, you can support us through the PayPal link. You can email me, martygoldlive at gmail.com. Sometimes it's big numbers in the past. In the past, there are people who who, to get things rolling for elections had put in four figures. That would be, for those who are weak at math, $1,000, $2,000, $3,000. Never gotten a $10,000 hit, I admit it. That kind of donation, that makes things a lot easier. We can pick up on the equipment. We can get the bills caught up. We can uh, assign some interns to do some of the research work, especially as necessary in St. Boniface. More... uh communicating communicating directly with the neighborhood through flyers and, and holding meetings and other means and it's not just St. Boniface it's all around this city no one else is willing to take on this work when this kind of work isn't taken on you end up with the monoculture reflected by the, the mainstream media newsrooms who do not value your opinions who do not value oh people just want to know that they've been heard no They want to know they've been taken seriously. They want to know that their opinion counts. They want to know that their needs are being met. And they don't necessarily dress up and wear funny costumes and hold placards and come up with clever chants and bang drums to do it. Average person out there has got a job. They've got family responsibilities. And when they say, well, this isn't logical, it's because they don't realize, of course it's not logical. It's part of a campaign, part of a narrative part of a shift in the culture that's being undertaken from some quarters to the detriment of the vast majority of the people who work for a living, who take family seriously, who maintain the peace but are accused of being somehow oppressors or somehow committing violence with words. Common sense revolution right here reflected on the Great Canadian Talk Show because remember, On this podcast, with our research work, with our special reports, with our interviews, with our broadcasts, with our podcasts, with our columns, with our analysis, with all of that, there's one bottom line. You have the power. The Great Canadian Talk Show Podcast is brought to you by Midpoint Auto, vehicle sales at wholesale pricing. 1.99% financing on new cars, 6.99% financing on great used vehicles. Cars, trucks, vans, SUVs, that's not all. Off-road vehicles, campers, snowmobiles, dirt bikes, even boats. If you're in the market for something with an engine, then that's the place you want to go. MidpointAutomotive.ca. The phone number, 833-997-9930. Again, that's 833-997-9930. Midpoint Auto, bad credit approved, good credit rewarded. If you're a listener of the Great Canadian Talk Show podcast, let them know by giving them the promo code, T-A-L-K, the word talk. That's the promo code, and you're sure to get a great deal from Midpoint Automotive. Thanks for listening to the Great Canadian Talk Show If you want to email Marty, send it to TGCTS1 at gmail.com or follow him on Twitter at TGCTS.